Hello and welcome to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the key trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain, oilseed and fibre markets. My name's Olivia Agar. Thanks again for joining us for episode number 167. So we knew that the Southern Wiener sales were going to be big this year. Heck, they are even big last year. But some of the prices achieved at these sales are just remarkable and making sellers very happy. It's all very well to see the record headline prices though, but diving a bit deeper into the sales is where there's a lot to learn. Who's selling the cattle, who's buying, where are they going and to what market? And to answer some of those questions, our go-to is always Andrew Hoskin from Hoskin Livestock Consulting. And it's our pleasure to have Hosco joining us again for today's episode. First, though, a few noteworthy mentions from markets this week. On the livestock front, a lack of available workers in meat processing is affecting slaughter capacity. So there were just over 39,000 head of cattle slaughtered in the first week of January, which when you look back to the same time last year, is down 42%. There was one less day with Monday being the public holiday, but that should only see slaughter down around 20%. And Victoria was the worst hit. They had cattle slaughter down 62%. And New South Wales was least affected, which was down 27% on last year. For sheep and lambs, things weren't quite as bad, with East Coast slaughter down 34% compared to last year. Again, we would have expected to see a 20% decline with one fewer working day. So there definitely has been an impact. And sale yard prices this week were broadly cheaper, with finished stock being most affected. The wool market was back up and running this week, and it was a positive start. Merino fleece led the way, but all types, including crossbreds and cardings, improved on the closing levels of 2021, so hopefully more of that to come in the weeks ahead. That's it from me now. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll leave you with Robert Herman and Andrew Hoskin. Have you ever had that feeling in your tummy when you haven't eaten all day, and it's just rumbling and grumbling? Then you go to the fridge and darn it, there's nothing in it. Well, here's the key to beating the empty fridge blues. Be prepared. Think ahead. What should I have this week? Steak? Lamb? Why not head over to Cleaver's Organics website and check out their range of certified organic beef, lamb and chicken products. Order online for home delivery. What else have they got here? Organic beef jerky? Yeah, I wouldn't mind trying that. Cleaver's Organic meats come from Aussie farming families. Cleaver's Organics. From families to families. Thanks for sponsoring our podcast this week, and don't forget to check them out. Now back to the latest agricultural market trends from the team at Mercado. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks for uh, the introduction. And yes, we've got Andrew Hoskin back with us. Um, Hosko, this is a great time of the year. I know you love it because we see all these wonderful cattle come through. And we're hearing about the prices, which are really just, we'll talk about that in a minute, about the shot in the arm that breeders are getting here. I'm interested, though, there's some really outstanding results. What, in your experience and all the years you've been watching weaners and buying them and trading them, what makes a good weaner? How does a breeder come up with, the, with these really good cattle? Um, I think the things that dictate um, the pricing or the demand, particularly for the markets that we're talking about now, relate so much to how they're bred, how they're managed, and then how they're prepared for sale. Um, so you'll see that uh, uh, the cattle in the south will be uh, bred well. They're specialists. They run them along those lines. They put a lot of time and interest into their bulls and their production. 
nowadays there's so much more information and feedback available that uh, that only uh, makes it more pronounced. And then uh, particularly the Western District, but certainly everywhere, they've become more and more geared towards um, um, preparing the cattle and acknowledging that there's a buyer and uh, whether they're weaned, whether they've had pre-sale treatments, things like that. Um, at the Davlux will have seen the first with a carbon imprint sort of attached to them. So uh, um, it's constantly changing, but it's also offering so much more for the buyer. And uh, this year's a credit to the breeders and good luck to them. They've had a hellish and good result. They have had a great result, and I noticed that some are saying, well, we thought last year was good, but this year is better. Now, I note that a heck of a lot of these cattle have headed north, and obviously the northern buyers have been identified these cattle a fair few years ago and have been taking them up there and getting a good result. What sort of buyers are, are they that are taking them up there, Hosco? What are they going to do with those cattle? Um, so to, to cover both parts or, or a bit of it, uh, Australia can be broken up geographically and, and um, climate-wise as to when the carbs come forward, when you can get supply and uh, when you're chasing cattle to suit some of these long-fed markets or these higher-quality brands, um, they're limited as to where they can go to get them. Like uh, the cattle that suit the MSA, uh, your British bred uh, or your British cross type cattle, um, well, certainly the Western District, um, Northern Victoria, Gippsland later on, then you move up into the Monaro and the Central. Um, those cattle, very, very suitable, highly sought after and limited in numbers. And having come out of the last um, um, huge drought, there's a shortage everywhere. Um, so it was always going to be a good market for, for those offering them this year, but uh, they're highly sought after because there's few places you can go to to get uh, larger lines of you know, Angus or good quality British and British Euro cross cards. Now, I'm talking to Andrew Hoskin from Hoskin Livestock, and uh, as you can tell, um, he is a breadth of, you are a breadth of knowledge Osco, on, uh, on this. Now, the, the buyers who are taking these, uh, and I noticed that uh, one buyer bought nearly 50%, I think, of the Casterton offering of Injamara blood Herefords. What, what's their plans? What, are, what have they got up their sleeve in terms of markets? And, and what are their hopes and dreams for these cattle now that are heading up? And, uh, you know, they're a big investment, Hosco, aren't they? Oh, huge investments this year when you're looking at... Uh, at $22, dollars $400 averages right across the board. It's uh, very, very significant. I think um, uh, the advice I would give to people uh, just to make uh, head nor tail of some of the, the demand and the reasons for is uh, similar to where we spoke about what are the cattle and what do they suit, um, I'd now say look at, well, who's buying the cattle, what are the markets they're shooting for and uh, where we've seen such a push towards these branded products, branded boxes um, and then feedlot supply programs. Uh, um, quite a few of the people that have hopped in and bought numbers will be uh, um, supporting a program, uh, protecting their brand and just ensuring that they've got cattle at a price coming forward later on. And there would be a number of the feedlots in particular that have bought cattle down there will uh, have tipped them out into what's acres upon acres of uh, wonderful feed. 
they'll try and background them up and cheapen them up a little bit before bringing them into some of their winter programs um, and ensure that they've got a ready access to the right quality. Um, at the same time, you're also going to see a lot of people that have uh, uh, geared towards that high grass-fed product that we've seen uh, grow so quickly the last few years. That's where some of the other British breeds have, uh, have done so well and uh, you're seeing the consistent prices right across the blacks, the reds, the, the colours sort of thing. So uh, um, there's an underlying reason behind the demand we don't have the numbers right across Australia, hence the success for all the breeders. It's a great success for the breeders. And, uh, and as you say, it, there's also the other side of the equation, and that is that the, the demand and the outlook for, um, for red meat in general um, is strong. So um, these mainly going to be filling domestic suppliers, do you think, Andrew, or, um, or is it uh, a combination of domestic and export markets? I would suggest that um, some of the bigger buyers will be putting cattle away that would be inherently targeted towards um, export. Um, that's all very dependent upon what happens with our su supply chain and all the logistic issues that are in place at the moment, um, where can they kill them, can they ship them, can they truck them? Uh, you know, these sorts of questions are all uh, there and there's some risk. But uh, it's interesting. I've seen 90% uh, commonly written in the media as a, as a number of cattle heading north. Does that mean uh, that there's only 10% of those cattle available in uh, Victoria to come forward through the winter and the spring as, uh, as cattle? Like, uh, um, it, it really highlights uh, the sell-down over the last few years because of the drought and the continuation of the rebuild uh, that I don't think's really had too big an opportunity to get started yet. I think uh, this just highlights that uh, there's still some good moments ahead for breeders and fatteners and uh, the breeding, uh, the uh, market in general. Um, it's not saying that it can get dearer because I don't think it can, but at the same time, uh, it's also saying that we're not going to see a hell of a hell of a big drop off. Uh, there's a lot of positives in amongst these sales. Now, I'd like to just uh, flesh that out a little bit, Andrew, because we're obviously pretty much across what's happening in the south, but in the north, we're hearing about the feed situation and we're hearing about the appetite to try and rebuild the herd. Is that happening? I mean, you mentioned that you don't think it's really happened yet, but surely these breeders now are incentivized to, um, you know, do everything they can to retain females and increase their breeding herd for next year and the year after. Uh, I think that's definitely started. It's just a case of uh, uh, the difference between uh, saying that you're going to do it and being able to do it. They've got to get enough females there to uh, bring it in play. And then uh, to bring those, uh, the heifers purchased this week out of uh, Hamilton to go to Roma or to go up to those sorts of places, go to Glen Innes, it's two years before there's anything coming back through them and uh, three years before there's any real uh, um, hit to the supply chain. So, uh, yes, there's feed running from ear to ear. I drove from uh, northern New South Wales to uh, northern Victoria and, um, you know, it's as good as I've seen doing that trip for the last 30 years. Um, it was green sort of two-thirds of the way down and where it wasn't, it was uh, 
uh, a very, very, very good season with in areas that are traditionally dried off. You know, the Riverina had Alison good grass uh, belt uh, there. As you went further north, it was green all the way. So, uh, uh, and not stock of any volume in any area. Um, so that all was well for, for people uh, in that area. Moving north, we've seen um, uh, big falls of rain in the, uh, in the Wide Bay area, which uh, sort of uh, hampers uh, kills and supply. You've seen the heat come in into the further north just uh, um, that slows things down and where they've been receiving such wonderful pricing, um, there's not a, a, a keenness or a need to go out and muster and sell. Um, you know, it's a seasonal slowdown where, well, okay, we've got a few bob, we don't need to get them in to kill them. So uh, um, it's generally slowed down the whole uh, beef complex uh, from that perspective. Um, but there's copies from one end of the country to the other that if your store market came off 50 cents, there'd be twice as many buyers. If it came off a dollar, there'd be 10 times as many buyers. It's, uh, it's limited by numbers rather than anything else. So I did talking about numbers, and I know you made the point to us earlier, Hosko, that while there's about 13,000 wieners going through Hamilton, it's, uh, it's a bit of a drop in the ocean for the demand that's in those northern feedlots, isn't it? Oh, very much so. Like at, at the end of the day, uh, um, the media and the radio were talking about 13,000 calves through Hamilton and uh, all credit must always go to the carriers and the breeders and the agents uh, drafting and presenting and putting them up. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, um, if every single one of them went into a feeder, feeder job, uh, it would be a, a couple of weeks' supply for two or three of the major feedlots. So uh, it's a drop in the ocean, but it's also a very important part of uh, the supply chain. So uh, hence, I always try and break down who's bought them, what are they targeting, what are those cattle suitable for, because that gives you a much clearer picture um, as to the supply and demand. And uh, certainly this year, a lot of cattle come north. Um, a lot will go back to producers and things like that. But I think a hell of a lot have also gone into backgrounding arrangements to shore up brand and supply later on, more so than normal. Now, Andrew, I know in your business you represent both um, you represent both breeders and you represent both uh, traders. The traders, you've got hands. I mean, they've really those backgrounders, those those buyers have really stepped in this year. Are they nervous, Andrew? Are they are they nervous about paying these prices, or do they have an underlying confidence that uh, that you know is sustaining them? You just can't help but think. I mean, we're talking. I was reading in the Stock and Land that uh, you know I think Mulseeds are saying their calves are five hundred dollars dearer again than last year. There's got to be a, a, a top to this somewhere, hasn't there? Oh, yes, but um, to use Arana as, uh, as, as uh, an example, uh, um, the Melseed family and, and Arana will have produced some of the very best calves at Hamilton for many, many years. You know, there's a number of properties that develop a reputation for uh, the article they produce and uh, how it travels and performs elsewhere. So uh, that certainly adds some value into their job. I think the big thing with the pricing and the markets uh, this year is that um, 
Um, ask yourself what of the buyers that have bought them uh, either done with cattle recently or are going to do with cattle. So you'll have uh, um, a large percentage of the purchase will have gone towards people protecting brand and protecting box. You'll then have uh, a percentage of them that uh, are maintaining their volume through the feedlots that uh, if they drop below a certain capacity, their cost of production and everything just uh, increases so significantly. You'll come back another level and you might have uh, your grass-fed bullock fatteners and uh, I'm aware of a, a number of those that might have sold calves, might have sold bullocks pre-Christmas that uh, are coming back at $3,500. Well, uh, uh, on a historical basis, you can trade in 3 and a half and buy a 2 and a half and have a bit of change and make some money. Um, that's quite good. Um, the traditional strong supporters of down there will be the backgrounders gearing in towards a 100-day program. That's very tight. Um, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a case of they need the numbers, they need to fill up their feedlots to keep their uh, costs uh, in control, but at the same time, there's little margin. It's hard work. Um, uh, but once again, they've got to keep going and it works its way through. Um the other one that uh, is very difficult to work out but comes into play on all these sort of cattle is uh, um, some of the calculators that I use and other people use and you yourself will have seen uh, your gains this year are being, uh, your ADGs are coming through at 5 and $6 a kilo, whereas uh, where they were talking about cattle at $600 and $700 many years ago, uh, you were working on uh, kilos of gain at 2 and $3. So, uh, um, yes, there's high dollars involved, but uh, equally there's also high income and high earning that, um, you know, if you're putting them out on a backgrounding job at a dollar a day or a, something along those lines sort of thing, but they're putting on a kilo, um, you're making money. Yeah. You're cheapening them up if you're in a supply chain um, or you're making some uh, money on the way through. But it's pretty tight going. I liken yeah. it that this year will be uh, um, of, of huge value to the breeders that are the base of the industry and they have to have a good one. Um, next year, maybe they share it a little bit more with the trader and the backgrounder, but uh, good luck to them this year. They're certainly going to be able to pay their super bills and improve their fences and do some uh, capital uh, improvements. Yeah, now you make a good point. I mean, we've been around long enough to see it where the backgrounder was really having the strong run for a while um, and, the, and the breeder was battling. But now the breeder is, um, is really getting well rewarded, as you point out. And, and sure, they'll do things like fertiliser and, and fencing and, and other things. But what, what, other, what would you be advising some of your breeders to be focusing on now that this is the time where if we talk about margins, I mean, this would be the biggest margin breeders have ever seen in terms of over their cost of production? Oh, in streets. So uh, um, they're obviously they've got uh, – we've come out of a dreadful drought, so um, maybe not so much the Western District, but as you go further north where it's been under such pressure – the last two or three years. Uh, good luck to the producers who can square up some debt, um, but it's also the opportunity to, okay, let's capital improve. We'll get into some uh, better breeding, improve the quality of your herd, uh, 
um, take the time to have your assets and uh, and that working to best advantage. Um, they need to continually update and be a part of it as, as well. Like uh, as we move forward, uh, we've seen uh, many years ago, you'll see some of your, your health strategies, then you moved into some of your carcass data and things like that with MSA. Um, it's an opportunity for people to maybe look at uh, the carbon trading as, as part of their livestock production, um, things like that, that uh, are all part of it continuously changing. Um, they have to have reward like they've got this year and last year to be able to continue down that track and also uh, upgrade their breeding goals. Um, you know, the bulls, the bull buyers are obviously going to have a good year because there's been such good weaning years. But uh, um, it's all balanced a little bit in that uh, uh, it's not that long ago in the spring that sort of two and a half or three thousand dollars bought you a pretty handy cow and calf or uh, or a springer, um, and now it's gone to another level where nearly all of those cows and calves are making three and a half and four. Um, the disconnect is not across the livestock uh, um, producer market. It's more we're getting a little bit too big a disconnect between the meat market and the uh, and the livestock market. And I think that's just things for people to uh, uh, be aware of and just monitor carefully that uh, the butchers still have to be able to sell it and uh, and make margin for the rest of the job to work. But uh, Certainly, there's um, lots of positives uh, still out there and, uh, and producers can move into 22, 23 with confidence. Well, that's a great way to round up our conversation today, Andrew. As usual, you know, terrific to talk to you. I know the listeners from Commodity Conversations get a lot of value out of your explanation of what's happening. Um, thank you very much for your time. And look, we really look forward to having you back on again soon. Uh, all the best, Andrew. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure and congratulations to all the breeders and the people that work towards the sales. Uh, they've had a blinder, they deserve it and good luck to them. Exactly. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Commodity Conversations. If you're looking for more detailed information on commodity markets, you can head to the Mercado website and pick up a premium subscription, which will give you full access to all our archive of reports as well as all the fresh analysis as it's delivered and access to our team of analysts. Thanks again, and until next week, take care.